The text for my sermon today is the 14th, sorry, 13th verse of Revelation chapter 14. Let me read that verse one more time. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. There are seven blessings in the book of Revelations. Now, book of Revelation. Many of us, whenever we think of Revelation, we have sort of fear and this under surrealistic uh, imageries and things like that usually frighten us. And most of it is not easily understandable, the symbolisms and all that. But this same book, which may sometimes frighten people, scare people also, is a book of great joy and blessings. There are seven blessings. Three we have already seen. And these seven blessings are grouped into three, sorry, two. Three blessings for living a worthy life. A life that is noteworthy. A life that stands out from the rest of the lives around them. And then the second group of blessings are the rewards that God gives for living worthy lives. So one set of blessings are for to live a worthy life. To live a worthy life. The other set of blessings are for the rewards, are the rewards for worthy life. The worthy lives are those who read the scripture aloud, hear and keep it. And the worthy lives are those lives who are waiting for the coming of the Lord, obeying the, obeying the word of God right now and being ready for his coming. And such lives, lives that are noted for their keenness of the word of God, and their commitment and their expectance, expectation or their the expectant lives, hopeful lives for the coming of the Lord will definitely be rewarded. So the next four blessings that I will be preaching in the coming Sundays is based on that fact. What are the blessings for those who live a worthy life? Here it says, Blessed are those who die in Christ. Write this. Blessed are those who died, dead, the dead who die in the Lord from now on. And the Spirit joins that statement and confirms. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Death is inevitable. You can't escape death. And it says in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. We are not going to go in circles like many of our Hindu brethren believe. We are not going to revisit planet Earth again 
in another birth, in another form. The Bible is very clear that we will die once and then we will move on to eternity. Either to eternal judgment, bliss or to eternal punishment. But what matters in the light of the Bible is not death. Death is inevitable. Everybody will die. Whether you are a believer, you are not a believer, whether you are saved, whether you are unsaved, whether you honor God or not honor God, death is inevitable. It is unavoidable. It will definitely happen. But what matters is the manner of death. How you die. That doesn't mean whether you die in an accident, whether you die in a hospital bed, whether you die in the hands of your beloved one. That I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Irrespective of that. The manner of death, I'm not talking about that physical manner of death. It is, in this scripture it says, those blessed are those who are died in Christ. That manner I'm talking about. The manner of death, who are blessed? Those who die, those who are dead, the blessed are the dead who die in Christ. What is dying in Christ or dying in the Lord? Well, that's a different type of death. It could be a normal death. It could be an accidental death. It could be some unfortunate death. Many Christians, you know, if you look at the Christian history, at least in the Bible itself, you know, people of God have died in a various manners. Most of the early church people, the leaders of the church, in the early church, they died in the first centuries to fourth century. They died the death of martyrs. They were assassinated. They were thrown to animals. They were they died. They were burned at stake and a whole lot of ways they died. But all this death, the various ways in which they died, respective of how they died or how they lost their life, there is one qualification that comes, and that is dying in the Lord. What does that mean? To the letters, when John wrote this letter to the church in Smyrna, in chapter 2, verse 10, he seems to have defined what it is to die in the Lord. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, we read, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The, this is a definition of dying in the Lord. Dying in the Lord is to remain a faithful Christian, to remain a faithful believer, or a follower of Jesus, even at the point of death. That's the point. At that point of death, what will you be? Will you be still holding fast to your faith or not? That is what dying in the Lord means. Now, this is a this has very deep, lot of deep implications. Now, we are all used to this sort of smile. selfies now. Before selfies came, when, self, when we take selfie, the whole thing is in your control. But, there, but before the selfies were, came, 
you know, it was in the hands of the photographer. Now, many times I have found that many of my pictures taken by even professional photographers, it happens to be pictures where I have closed my eyes. You know, so I sometimes nowadays I tell people, take two or three, because I have this problem of closing my eyes at that moment of they click the shutter. But now with selfie, it's a different issue now. You can always be smiling. Christian life is not taking a selfie. Look, dying in Christ, at the point of death, you can not just say, oh, I believe in Jesus Christ. No, no, no. It is being ready for that point. Holding fast to the faith that was once entrusted to the saints. And to be at that point of death, point of death, at the point of, at that point, found, find yourself still holding fast to that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what, that's the main, one of the main themes of the book of Revelation. Now, death, dying in Christ is to die with the faith in Jesus Christ, still holding on to the faith in Jesus Christ. The second thing I want to remind, in, remind ourselves in this regard is, dying in Christ implies living in Christ. You can't die in Christ without having a life in Christ. Who is the, what is that? That means anyone who is saved or believe in Jesus Christ begins a life in Christ. It's a life with Christ, definitely. But that is the beginning of our life in Christ. And at the point of death, at the point of leaving this home for the eternal home, to be found still holding to that faith is what we call living in Christ or living in the Lord. This implies, living in Christ implies Christ remaining the order and the finisher of our faith. Christ is the Alpha and Christ is the Omega. Christ is the A and Christ is the C of our life. Christ is the beginning and Christ is the end of our life. Or Christ is all over our life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Who is Christ? He is the founder and he is the perfect. He is the one who began our life in him and he is the one who will come help us to complete. So living in Christ means Christ being the order of our life. Christ being our founder of our life. Secondly, to live in Christ so that we may die in Christ means we, Christ becomes the owner of my life. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. And that they may escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Now that's another relationship with Christ. What is that? Being captured by him to do his 
well. I don't know what is a proper illustration of that passage. You know, we were in the wild, probably, let me explain, try to explain it. We were like wild animals, free to roam, free to do whatever we want. But one day, this may be inadequate illustration, but still let me use it. But one day, Christ comes and captures us. And he, he did, didn't take our freedom away, in the sense we are not more in the wild, but we are now captured to do what is pleasing to him. To be useful, to be to uh, to uh, to be uh, good, yeah, that is what happens. So, what is living in Christ? Life living in Christ means accepting or living under the ownership of Christ. Living in Christ also means a third aspect I can point out is when Christ becomes a reason for living. When Christ becomes the reason for Living. That is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. That famous verse that many of you may know by heart. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What is that? For me I have only one reason to live and that reason is to live in Christ and to die is gain. No. I have so many friends, childhood friends, college friends, school friends and all that. My college friend, one of my college friends always used to say, I want one thing in my life. I said, what is that? I want to go to USA and visit USA for maybe 10 days. That's all he wanted. All that he wanted to have in life is to go to the United States and tour for 10 days. Nothing less, than, nothing more than that. What a limited thing. But he is a very, very rich man. Has three businesses in, in the United Arab Emirates. Till now, at 62, he hasn't visited USA. His reason for life, only reason for life, is to visit USA. You can, you, you can get a package tour for 1.2 lakh or something like that. Even 75,000 rupees they will take you there. But he could not. Because over the years his reason for life changed. His reason for life was his business. And the business is so much part of his life, he cannot leave that business to go abroad. Or even uh, to his own home. But what is a Christian's reason for living? For me, it is Christ to live. And that is gain. I make profit. I am a gainer. And I die. That is what Christian life is. That is what living in Christ is. When Christ becomes the founder of our faith, Christ becomes the honor of our life, Christ becomes the reason for our living. But at the point when we that last take that last breath, it is possible that we may not be in Christ. The other day, this guy, this is comedy strange, someone whose mother died and she was gasping for breath and the last breath and what he did was he took a photo, he took a, what do you call it, selfie video or what is, on the cell phone. He shot the last moments on the cell phone, his smartphone. He shot that his mother's 
last moments on the cell phone. That horrible scene of somebody gasping for breath, you know, the cardiac asthma, and then finally the last breath and you die. And he took that picture and he showed it to many of his friends. I didn't see that. I didn't want to. Though I have been by the side of people, dying people, um, starting with my own mother's death, for a Christian when somebody dies, uh, for those who believe in Jesus Christ, my practice is to pray. Pray and entrust them into God's hands. You know, when we are sure that that person is breathing the last breath, that, uh, that's what, uh, what I am used to. This is something strange to me. But put that aside. Put that aside. Now look at this. The point is, the challenge is, blessed are those who are dead in Christ. But I also know people, but that wonderful lady that I am talking about, I am pretty sure that she died in Christ. In spite of the selfie doesn't explain whether she died in the in Christ or not, outside Christ. But I know, knowing that person very well, that she died in Christ. But the question is, we may not die in Christ. Why? Because many times on the journey to that point, we compromise our faith. Many people, they begin in Christ, they continue in Christ, but they cannot finish in Christ. Because life demands lots of compromises. I have baptized many people in this church alone. And I can look back that many of them are not here, not in any other church also. They left the faith altogether. They have gone back. And those who know whom those persons, I know that you are in, you are with me in prayer for them. You are claiming them back to the Lord. And my prayer is that one day they will come back and one day they will finish the race with us. And will be there to when the angel says, blessed are the dead in Christ. Praise God. That's our hope. That's our prayer. That is what we are enduring prayer nowadays. Many people have compromised their faith for their marriage. When that point came on life, when that particular point in life came, they compromised their faith. They went outside Christ. They forgot, they forgot or ignored who is the owner of their life. They forgot or they got confused the reason for living. They thought the reason for living is a marriage with a rich person or a beautiful person or from a rich family, or an influential society, or something like that. They compromised their reason for living. They from compromised who have captured their lives, to whom their life belongs to. When job opportunities came, some people did that. Some people just compromised for comforts. And those people who compromised on all that, all those who gave up on the way. They are not going to die in Christ. Blessed are those who, blessed are the dead who die 
in Christ. Now, that's a blessing. There are two reasons why they are blessed. Now, what I said so far is, what is the blessing for? The blessing is for those who die in Christ. What does the dying in Christ mean? To be found holding fast to the faith in Jesus Christ, with which began, with which you and me began our journey of faith. Now, they are blessed for two reasons. Reason number one is they are offered a rest. Let me read that scripture passage again. Verse 13 of chapter 14. We should read it again and again and again. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now the Holy Spirit joins that proclamation. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds will follow them. There are actually two reasons why they will be blessed. Because they are offered rest. Dying in Christ is to rest and to receive. The second reason is to receive a reward. They will rest from their labors. The word of God says. What does that mean? That means all the struggles that we struggle now to keep up our faith in Jesus Christ, that will, that has an end. It is not a perpetual struggle that we fight. It is not a perpetual struggle that we fight. This fight against evil, this fight against sin, this fight against the world, and this fight against the flesh will come to an end and we will enter a rest. Those who are struggling to keep up their faith, especially in hostile situations, sometimes it will be hostile family situations. Some of you may not be able to go home and say that Jesus is your Lord. Some of you may have to pay a price for saying that. Some of you may have fear in saying that. But you still fight. You still struggle. You still are on a race. But the promise of God is that this will end and we will enjoy, uh, this will end and we will enter an eternal rest, which Hebrews chapter 4.11 talks about. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. We have a rest that is promised. We have a rest that is promised, but that is absolutely contrary to the restlessness that the wicked have. Now look at this life. The life that is that we are going to have after death, or when Jesus takes us home, is entirely different from the life we live here. Everything will be reversed. Now we will see some people are very comfortable. They are willing to compromise anything for everything. And they have no pain. 
because they have enough battle in their lives. Why do you don't have a battle? Because you are not, you are agreeing with anybody. You know, when Cyrus came to, uh, when, uh, yes, when Cyrus, the Persian emperor, he came to Babylon, the Babylonians were so much fed up with their reigning king, monarch, so they just opened the doors of the gate, uh, city, from inside and let him in. So there was no battle. Cyrus, the Persian emperor, took Babylon without shedding a single drop of blood. Because there was no resistance. Same thing happened in the 4th century BC. When Alexander the Great came to Jerusalem, it say, they say that the gates of Jerusalem were opened from inside and they welcomed, the high priest went and welcomed him to the city. No battle. No battle, no resistance. Christian life is not like that. You cannot let anybody in, everyone in. You have to put a fight. But there are people who won't fight. They give in. Now I know a wonderful girl who was a very zealous Christian. She was she was so keen on the faith, very very regular in Bible studies. When up up to the twelfth grade, when she passed the twelfth grade, her father was not a believer. Put that condition. If you continue to go to church, find your own money to go for high studies. But if you leave the church, I will fund your education as long as you want, as much as you want. Without any condition. And she chose her father's second choice. She said, I'll stop going to church, I'll drop my Bible reading, I'll stop praying, I will want education to be comfortable here. She will not die in Christ because she stopped living in Christ. But those people, the word of God says, they will have no rest. 14.11, same chapter. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest. Day or night, these worshippers of the beast who have compromised and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. We'll talk about the beast and all that later. Those who compromise will have no rest there. But those who have put up a fight to keep their faith, they will have a rest. Now, the Bible talks about, book of Revelation and elsewhere, talks about the great endurance that is required to die in Christ. Those who die in, die in Christ will have that rest in eternity. The endurance is required from them. What is endurance? Endurance is resisting without giving up or giving in. Endurance is simply defined as that quality of doing the same thing or resisting without giving up. In chapter 14, a verse above, here says, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. And then immediately in verse 13, we read, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. The blessing of those who die. We have an eternity. And they will rest from their labors. What is this labor? What is this hard work? 
to keep up that faith in Jesus Christ. To be found to be in faith, keeping up the faith at the moment of death, till the end of the race, there is tremendous endurance required. There will be a lot of deterrence in that race. For example, chapter 2 verse 10 says, the people who read this scripture first time, the readers of the book of Revelation, they had imprisonment. They were threatened with imprisonment. Chapter 2 verse 10. They were imprisoned. But in prison, they kept up their faith. Irrespective of the imprisonment, they kept up their faith. They did not give up. There was tremendous persecution in the church in Pergamum. Chapter 2 verse 13. In Pergamum, they were imprisoned. Their bishop called Antipas was killed, martyred. Still, they kept up their faith. There are tremendous trials. Sometimes sloth kills us. You know, our own lack of zeal, laziness, it kills Christian faith. Sometimes the slack, not having Christian love, love for God. Revelation 2, 4. But this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. That is what the labors are. Resisting all the temptations, all the persecution, all the opposition, all the cruelty, and ourselves, our own lack of zeal, and enduring, and keeping up this faith in Jesus Christ. So that's why the writer of Hebrews exhorts. He says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance that race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us run steadily. Let us run till we complete. Let us run. And let us, when we reach that point, found in the Lord. A second reason, the first reason is rest. And the second reason, there are rewards waiting for them. Let me read that verse again. Just one verse, that's all I'm doing today. Blessed indeed, 14, 14, 13. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that may, they may rest from their labors. All the fight they have to put up through, all the sufferings they have put through, all that will come to an end, and they will rest from their labors. Now, for their deeds, follow him. What that, what is meant by that is, they will be rewarded. Their works will follow them. Simply means they will be rewarded. Now this is a tricky passage, tricky usage. <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter 5, 10, I'll try to explain it as much as I can. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 reads, 
for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil what the word of god says there is that in the last days in eternity there will be a judgment and in that judgment god will judge us according to our works what we have done at the same time ephesians chapter 2 8 to 9 says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works so that no one may boast so there are two things now in one side on one on one on one on one side the word of god is very clear that we are not saved by our good works our good works cannot save us irrespective of how good they are irrespective of how we did it the good works are absolutely useless for our salvation at the same time we also will have rewards according to the good works so what does that mean that means the good works we do now though they are useless for our salvation they are still good before god god will definitely value the good works we did why because one of the purposes why god saved us is that we may do good works ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus god recreated us in christ jesus you can say in computer language now god reformatted us new which god prepared beforehand that we may do walk in him why did jesus save us why did he redeem us he redeemed us to do good works but it is not our works don't count for our salvation please try to understand that our works doesn't count for our salvation but once you are saved the purpose of salvation is that we do good works in actuality only a redeemed person can do works that are good in the eyes of the lord there are a lot of charity we do not only we the world everybody is involved in some sort of charity but no charity will count towards our salvation but a person who is saved and redeemed whatever good works he do will be rewarded in heaven see it is not on the basis of you will not be going into the eternal fire or you will not have a, spe- a special place in heaven that is not what it means it simply means all the good works a saved person does on this world will have a reward in heaven that's the point we are talking it is not whether you are saved or not that is not the point the point is we will receive 
So now what happens is that we have to imagine a very simple way, very simple way. That is, there is an award ceremony there. And how can you get there to the award ceremony for the good works you did? Trusting in Jesus without your good works but solely on his grace. Can you, can you help, uh, just uh, try to imagine with me. There is an award ceremony but the entrance or eligibility to enter that ceremony is that you trust Jesus solely for his grace and by faith you enter that ceremony. But when you enter that ceremony, those who are not saved, they will not enter. Once you enter there, then God recognizes the good works you did or the good works I did. That's the point. The point is, all the good works, put it in another way, I'm trying to, trying to uh, communicate, put it in another way, the works a Christian did in this world, helping the poor, dressing the naked, visiting the prisoners, feeding the hungry, or giving drink to the thirsty, will now, will be rewarded in heaven. Though, an unsaved person did all these things, ten times or hundred times more than a believing Christian, a follower of Christ, that will not be regarded for his salvation. I hope you are, it is clear to you now. See, but a Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ is created with this view, or he is captured by Christ with this view, that, that this person will do good works. Works that please the same. Now let me come to this conclusion now. That is, here is the blessing. What is the blessing? Blessed are the, those who are dead in Christ. And what I helped us to understand was, dying in Christ means holding fast to this faith till the point of death. We are in a much better position now than the martyrs of the first century. The martyrs of the first century was arrested, beaten up, imprisoned. Now they were brought for their execution. Maybe they will be thrown to a lion, they will be burned at stake, or they may be split into two halves alive, or they may be thrown into boiling oil or killed in any way. But they were all given one chance to deny faith. Their tormentors gave them a choice. Always gave them a choice. The choice is deny the faith and you can save your life. But the records that we have, many might have, forsook, might have said yes, we deny faith. And they had, they got their life extended for many more years, maybe 10 more years, 20 more years, 30 more years or something like that. But there were others who said, held fast to their faith. Just a moment, just a word, that's all that you needed. I will deny Christ. Jesus is not Lord. But they refused. At that moment, they refused. They refused to say, 
that Caesar is Lord. Jesus is not Lord. And they, the word of God says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Because that moment, the decisive moment on, they held strongly onto that faith. And they died in the Lord. They kept up that faith. Now compare the trials and temptations that you are going through now and may go through tomorrow. When that moment of testing comes, when you have, have a better life on earth, if you simply deny Christ, if you simply stop praying, if you simply stop reading the Bible publicly before your family, before your husband or your, your boss or whoever it may be, you are offered a comfortable life, a better promotion, maybe even a better salary benefits. Will you choose that or will you hold on till the end? And the word of God that we heard today says they will never be a loser. They will not be losers. They will rest from their labors and they will be rewarded. That's the challenge I would like to leave with you today. Christian life is a labor. It's a toy. But remember, all the hardships that we go through are fruitful. It's not fruitful time. Brace the finishing line. That's my prayer for myself. And many, all of you sitting here, that we will brace the finishing line, line with the torch still burning. That's the challenge. It's a difficult thing, brothers and sisters. But it is worth trying. It's a difficult thing. Now I come across lots of people. They take three steps forward, two steps forward, and they take three steps backward in Christian life. They are in the church for three weeks or four weeks or five weeks, and they are away from the church for another six weeks. It's not just coming to the church. They go back. And they try to move on. But pray for grace that your race is a steady race. Pray for grace that your battle is a strong one. Pray that your struggle, labor of faith will continue and will last until we breathe our last. Now the promise one more time. Let's, let's read it together. Revelation chapter 14, verse 13. Let's read it from the screen together. And, and I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. For their days for Let's thank God for this promise. Lord, we really want to thank you for this wonderful promise that, that we have, which gives us strength and encouragement, great stamina to fight a fight 
that you have for us. Help us to, O Lord, endure all that forces that try to distract us from this race. And help us to put up a good fight. And we know that these labors are not forever. This toil is not forever. These struggles in life are not forever. We will enter your rest and we will be rewarded for what we have done. You will never disappoint us. Help us to have that faith in you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.